Amen. So I thought I was going to be ministering on authority until about 2 o'clock yesterday. And don't you just love it? Anybody that's ever been a teacher, you know, with, uh, you know, just a few hours before you're to teach, God changes everything. So uh, I sat down at my computer just to kind of go through some things, and this is the phrase that jumped into my head. It's a time for refining. It's a time for refining. And as I was, uh, we were talking this morning, I said, well, it kind of makes sense. You know, be, you know, we can't really walk in authority if our hearts aren't right and pure. And part of the word that Pastor Zach released uh, this morning and last night was that about having pure hearts. We need pure hearts. And, and so, uh, you know, 2020, I remember back in January, what did we say our theme for the year was? A church deployed. Remember that? And I thought, well, that's interesting. That'll be a cute little theme for the year, you know, because I'm very militaristic anyway. Now I see why. This past week, Lana Vosser released a word from the Lord, and she, instead of using the word deployed, she used the word mobilized, which means exactly the same thing. And she said God told her the church has to get mobilized. And so uh, we're, we're going to talk today about a time for refining. And I, I just want to pray because, you know, this. I just want to pray. <laughs> Father, I just ask you to be with us today, Lord. And, Father, I ask for you to anoint the word that's going forth, Lord. I pray, Father God, that every word be rightly interpreted that every word be rightly presented, Father God, that we present the heart of God in this message. Lord, it's not my message to the people. It's your message to the people. I firmly believe that. So, Lord, I just pray that anointing upon your word today and upon the people's heart. Give us ears to hear. Give me ears to hear, even as I'm ministering this word. So, God, I thank you for it. And uh, this word today is for the church. It's for the church. It's not for the unbeliever, although we want the unbeliever to become the church. They can become a part of that just by simply repenting and making Jesus Lord of their life. But this is for those who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. And it's a sobering message, I believe. It's a sobering message to address the state of the affairs in the church. You know, I've said it for months and months. You know, we know that the church isn't working as it's supposed to because we look at our nation. And I think uh, Wayne mentioned either last night or tonight, today, about the, you know, the condition of the nation is, is reflective on the condition of the church. And, and uh, Derek Prince even said God holds the nation account, or the church accountable for the condition of the nation. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that. Second Chronicles 7.14 clearly tells us that. That if the church repents, God says he'll heal the land. So if the land's not healed, whose fault is it? It's not the news media, it's not the political parties, it's not the government, it's the church's responsibility. So we can look at our nation and we can ascertain the condition of our churches, can't we? So uh, today, June 14th, I don't believe we've experienced any time like we have today in history. We've had plagues before, we've had riots before, we've had violence in the street before, we've had racism worse than we're seeing today before. We've had oppression, we've had bigotry, we've had prejudice, we've had lies perpetrated through special for special. We've had all that before. But there's nothing like what's happening today. And I believe the reason is is because the powers of darkness have an all-out attack on the church of Jesus Christ like never before. Like never before. And I, why do I say this? I say this because never has the church been targeted as it is today. Never has the church had its doors closed. Never has the church, has there been such a divide. And, and, and Terry was just showing me, there's, if you would come up and show this. This is from the group of ecumenical, ecumenical <laughs> clergy <laughs> people. And this is what they have decided might be in the best interest of the church. 
it's scary because this ecumenical clergy scientists and other experts. Who are those other experts? They got to be government. They have released. This is almost humorous if it weren't a true thirty-six page document. Released a guide to help congregations consider best practices for reopening for worship. Among their suggestions, refrain from congregational singing. They want you to clap or stomp instead. That'll fire us up. Preachers, shorten your sermon. We didn't try anything. That ain't going to happen. Congregants, during communion, instead of speaking, mouth your response. Pass the peace or goodwill to other worshipers with a gentle nod or a reverent bow. No physical contact. The 36-page document notes that church leaders will make different decisions depending on the recommendations of denominational and health officials not Christians will refrain from judging the witness of others as long as the others are not endangering the common good so if you see someone endangering the common good in a church we are to judge them basically report them resuming care field worship and sacramental life during a pandemic that's what it's called includes link to the CDC, and to guidelines issued by regional denominational groups as they respond to the CDC recommendation. The guide urges worshipers not to dwell on limitations during the pandemic. Instead, it suggests they focus on creative approaches to worship. I got one here for Dan. Amen. Oh, honey, this is for you first. The guide notes that the risk of producing aerosols, droplets of water suspended in the air, can spread the coronavirus and thus recommends that preachers wear a face covering during sermons. It also says congregations should consider using standard gestures or American sign language to respond silently during liturgies. It also suggests that worship leaders stay at least 16 feet away from the congregants since they may sometimes need to use louder voices. Let me tell you what the expert says. <laughs> Come on, everyone, let's sing for joy to the Lord. Let's shout our loudest praises to our God who saved us. Everyone come meet his face with a thankful heart. Don't hold back your praises. Make him great by your shouts of joy. Then the next psalm says, go ahead, sing your new songs to the Lord. Let everyone in every language sing him a new song. Don't stop. Keep on singing. Then another one says, go ahead, sing your brand new songs to the Lord. He is famous for his miracles and marvels. He is victorious through his mighty power and holy strength. Everyone knows how God has saved us, for he has displayed his, his justice throughout history. He never forgets to show his, go ahead, everyone, and shout your praises with joy. Break out of the box and let loose with the most joyous sound of praise. Sing your melody of praise to the Lord and make music like never before. Blow those trumpets and shofars. Shout with joyous triumphs before the King Yahweh. That's what this expert says. That's what this expert says. 
Do you, do you not see what's going on here? We've got to see what's behind this. What is the one thing that the enemy wants to do is to quiet the mouth of the church. Because how powerful, life and death in the power of the tongue. How powerful is, he doesn't want to hear us shout praises to God. Oh, let's just mimic it. Let's use sign language. Let's, let's don't uh, charge because he knows that when we declare into the heavens, those kingdoms and principalities are disturbed in the heavens. See, you know, let's not be fooled by this stuff. And there's a lot of churches that are falling into this, this trap of the enemy. And that's what it is. It's simply a, a plot of the, it's a scheme of the enemy. So we need a time for refining, not just so we can look pretty and shine. and all. We need a time of refining because the purer we are, the more powerful we are. Right? The purer we are, the more powerful we are. And, and so it, we, we need power more now than we have ever needed it before. More than we've ever needed it before. Acts 14, 22. I'm going to read this out of the Passion. You know, there's a, you know there, there's a lot of division. You know, you, you, what you just read, I bet most pastors would laugh at that, really. I hope so. <laughs> I hope they would. And I, a, lot, a lot of you thought that was foolishness in here. Let me tell you, if you're that concerned about coming to church, you probably should stay at home and do it online, really, right? But Acts 14, 22. At each place they, talking about Paul and Barnabas, went, they strengthened the lives of the believers and encouraged them to go deeper in their faith, and they taught them, it is necessary for us to enter into the realm of God's kingdom because that's the only way we will endure our many trials and persecutions. So we have to press into the kingdom because of what's coming. It, that's the only way we're going to survive this, what we're going through. It's the only way. John 16, Jesus said, And everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous. You must be courageous. He says, For I have conquered the world. So the only way we're going to endure the trials and the, and the problems that are coming is if we are pressing into the realm of God's kingdom. God's kingdom is where his will and his, his rule reign. That's the kingdom of God. We're to have the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. The enemy doesn't want that. The enemy doesn't want God's kingdom ruling and reigning in your home, in this church, in our government. He doesn't want that. And so if he, the, you know, it's, it's ingenious if you think about it, that he's wanting to quiet the voice of the church. It's ingenious, but it's also very predictable, isn't it? Why, why wouldn't he want to do that? Why would he not want to do it? So it is a time, and we, you know, we have to understand that even though we're, we, there should no be no divisions within the body. But unfortunately, the Bible says that they have a purpose. Do you know that? That the, the divisions have a purpose? 1 Corinthians 11, 8, and this is typically what we read during communion. Paul's saying, first, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and to some extent, I believe it. There's much division in the church world today, much division. But, of course, there must be divisions among you. Listen to this. So that you, have, so that you who have God's pro- approval will be recognized. Let me read that again. There must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. What's he saying here? He's saying in our divisions, it should cause us to press into God. Well, God, we want to know truth. We want to know truth. God is shaking kingdoms in both heaven and earth. 
be shaking the boy Wednesday night I've had so, so several people quite a few people ask do we see that video again I'm showing it again Wednesday night we've seen it already three times and I still don't feel like I know it well we're going to show it here on Wednesday night again so either come, come again if you saw it last week if you didn't see it come back again it's powerful isn't it but it, it clearly tells us exactly what we see going on in the world today that there are those sons of God that were created in the heavens, the sons of God created on the earth, but they rebelled in heaven just like they rebelled on earth. And there's warfare going on. Those that, that rebelled in heaven are trying to take the, the... That's where Satan and all his imps come from, from that rebellion of the sons of God in the heavens. That's what Ephesians talks about, the powers and principalities. We have to understand that God is shaking both the heavens and he's shaking the earth. And there's going to be those who take sides with what they see. But this is what happens. See, we need to get back to this and we say, okay, God, what does your word say about the side that I hold? And it's so as Paul says, it says, those who have, those who, um, those divisions among you show that you who have God's approval will be recognized. It's going to be obvious. We have to press in to understand what's really going on in the world. We have to have eyes to see. We have to have ears to hear. And Jesus said in Matthew 13, he said other places as well, that People that don't have eyes to see and ears to hear is because their hearts are fat or gross or hardened. We don't want that, do we? That's why I'm talking about refining. I love what you said about the fire. It's, it's a clean hands. God, I want clean hands and a pure heart. We can't be afraid of truth. We can't be afraid to go to God and say, God, there might be something in my heart that's not right. There might be a, a point of view that I take that's not biblical, that's not according to your word, that's not according to your kingdom. Would you reveal that to me? Many of you know that that's, that's happened. It's happened to me numerous times. When you think you got all the answers, you think you got it right, and God says, that's not a right attitude. That's not according to my word. You're not walking right. We have to be, we have to be clean before God. But Paul is saying that divisions and differences in the, Bible help, in the Bible help to reveal who is really genuine among the members of the body of Christ. What are we grabbing hold? Are we grabbing hold of factions and heresies? And, and actually, that word, uh, divisions, you know what it means? Choices and opinions. If you go back and look it up in the Greek, it means choices and opinions. So some of us are grabbing hold of choices and opinions that are not necessarily biblical, right? And there's going to be people who take side. Paul says that that word approved means to be tested by fire. The refining process. So these divisions are going to cause, we want to be approved. We want to be tested by fire, don't we? We will be tested according to the word of God. And so any differences we have should cause both of us to plow into this word and say, God, okay, tell us the truth. Reveal the truth to us about this situation. Timothy 4, 1, and 1 through uh, 3 says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. What are we talking about? Teachings that come from demons. And then he goes on to say, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them what they want to hear, basically. Well, you know, tell me, I'm going to find me a place that's going to tell me what I want to hear. Well, how's that working out for us? No, give me, you know, if, if you're living in immorality and, and all that, and I'm going to find me a church that says that's okay. God's good with that. And there's plenty of them. You know, if I, believe, if I believe in the shedding of innocent blood, I'm going to find me a place that's going to tell me that's okay. You know, that's not okay. Deceptive teaching and information like that comes from demons to confuse and separate the church. 
But if we, you know, we really, <laughs> we don't do things like they did in the New Testament church. The New Testament church did not put up with stuff like we put up with it today. And, you know, that's why there's no power in the church, I believe. Because where there is confusion and where there's chaos, there's no power. Where there's compromise, there's no power. Second Peter 3 says, most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. See, God is warring for America. Do you believe this? God is warring for this nation and, the, and his people. And we have an assignment to be the kingdom of God in the earth. We have an assignment to pull people out of the uh, kingdoms of darkness everywhere that we go. On the job, on the street, we've got to, but we've got to purify our hearts in order to hear the voice of God in this day that we're in. And there are those who are scoffing at church. And, you know, I, I mentioned yesterday in the uh, Life Christian University uh, graduation that the word I got for them was just be relevant. Be relevant today. So I did a little research, and the church hasn't really been too relevant. This is a statistic from last year from George Barna. 64% of those 19 to 24 who grew up in church had left the church. 64% 19 to 24-year-olds. That's staggering. That is staggering. Our culture has, has actually adopted a type of secular humanism that no longer battles the concepts of Christian faith or doctrine head on. What it does is, is has now looked at us so insignificant that it just kind of, we're just a nuisance. They don't come head on with the church. No, they're just a nuisance. Get them out of the way when we have stuff like this that's trying to be pushed through. And see, you get enough, you get enough power behind something like this, and it becomes a law. Then what do we do? But we have to look at God, and we have to look at the church as more than just a source of inspiration, more than just something we come to on Sunday, more than a self-help program. We have to look at it as more than that. It's a very significant force in the world today. And I, want, I mean, if I can't get any message to us today, we've got to see the church as a power in the world today. We've got to see the church as a change agent in the world today. Everywhere you go, you're a change agent. You're on assignment for God. You've got to see yourself that way. You know, it's time to get rid of these milk toast sermons and milk toast messages. It's time to get rid of those things. You know, the church was really non-essential long before COVID-19 came. How many people were home watching church on online TV long before COVID-19 because it was convenient? It's just convenient. I'll just do that thing and get all I need that way. I don't really need community. I can just get what I need that way. And I can stay in my pajamas. I can drink my coffee and, you know, eat and do whatever I want to do. don't even have to make up my, put my hair or makeup on. <laughs> yeah, but COVID-19 has revealed the growing conflict between the church and, at this point, local governments. So that's what it has done. By, you know, think of all these churches in, in our nation. I think, was it Mississippi where they were issued citations for, for drive-in church? I think it was Mississippi. So the enemy's at work, guys. He's, in a, he's at work, and he wants to marginalize you. He wants to marginalize your voice. He wants to force us into a corner. And I believe the church has painted ourselves in a corner. And the paintbrush we've used is apathy and complacency. He has we have painted our own self in a corner. We'll give you a quote here out of Morris Murillo's book, Vessels of Fire and Glory. The scripture, though, I want to use is, but the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. I told the graduates yesterday, I said, listen, guys, that same assignment is yours, to destroy the works of the devil. 
That's your assignment is to go out. That's how you're going to be relevant. You go out and you destroy the works of the devil. You don't just have a little nice little, you know, inspirational message. I'm going to pump you up. I'm going to have a word of positive affirmation about you. You know, it's time to get over the best life now. The best life now is following what God has got us to do. That's the best life now, right? This is his quote. It says, your assignment in the army of God is your individual expression and extension of Christ's destruction of the works of the devil. You're a destroyer of the works of the devil. God will give you a way to do it that is unique to you. Do you see how powerful that is? Your way may look different than my way. But anywhere you go, you're, you're going in and you're, your goal is everywhere you go, you're going to remove darkness. You're going to eliminate darkness because the king of glory is coming into this room because he, he abides within you. The power of Holy Spirit is in our room. And we have to understand that the devil only comes to kill, steal, and destroy, right? And we see him doing it more than, you know, it's really the day to get over all these feel-good sermons. I'm telling you, that day is gone. That day is long gone. I was talking to somebody recently, and they said they went back into their church. And I said, well, what did they minister on? Love. I said, how sweet and soft that was. That was safe. He said, yeah, I know. Now I listened to your sermon. I thought, well, I like that. I'm just, you know, it's, you know we, it's time to move on past elementary stuff. We've been saying that even before COVID. It's time to move past the elementary teachings. I'm telling you, we can love ourselves right into apathy. We can love, I mean, we need to love each other. We have to love each other. But see, if I love you, I'm going to destroy the works of the devil in your life. I'm going to take the time to refine my heart that I'm pure, and I'm going to have the power of God residing, and I care enough to set you free. Amen? I was talking to a young man this week who just got out of prison after 13 years, and he was talking about how he was abused as a child and how he said, and the church knew it and did nothing. And so he has no need for the church anymore. But I got an opportunity to speak to him, and I hope to speak to him again this week. We've got some something tentatively planned. Is he not worthy of? Is he not worthy of deliverance? Is he not worthy to have his heart set free from that bitterness and that hatred? The church has been asleep. The church has been irrelevant. We all want change, but we don't want to change, do we? I want I want Deborah to do it. I want Wiley to do it. You know, I want Annette to do it. Don't don't make me have to do anything different. So I want Terry to get all those visions and dreams. I can just sleep through the night, right? But to, demonic powers are operating when people in, are inhumanely abused and murdered by those who are supposed to protect them. That's demonic powers. Numbers thirty-five, thirty-three says murder pollutes the land. Demonic powers are operating when justice turns a blind eye to violence, murder, partiality because of wealth or ethnicity or skin color or titles. That's demonic powers in operation. Leviticus 19.15 says, Don't twist justice in legal matters by favoring the poor, being partial to the rich and the powerful. Always judge people fairly. See, injustice will pollute the land. When people are not held accountable, it pollutes the land. What did God say about Sodom? Ezekiel 16.49 says, Sodom's sins were pride, gluttony and laziness while the poor and the needy suffered outside her door she was proud and committed detestable sins he says this is cute I just wiped her out that's what it says in the NLT so I wiped her out as you have seen let me tell you what these gluttony we think well that's about overeating no this is what it means a desire for abundance until you can't hold anymore 
is the desire for abundance until you can't hold him. Well, we know what pride means. Laziness, listen to what laziness means. The condition of prospering in life or complacency. So the sins of Sodom were pride, a desire for abundance more than you can hold, and prospering to the, fe- to the point that you have complacency in life. He said, so I just wiped them out. Do we think, does that sound familiar to, in our nation? And we think we're going to skate by this and God's going to just wink his eyes. Oh, that was okay. You know, you're under grace. No, that's, he's not going to do that. That's not what the word says. You know, if we're, if, read, the, read the revelation about the seven churches. Five of them messed up. One of them said, you got a reputation for being alive, but you're really dead. You've lost your first love. You've become careless. He says, if you don't change, I'm going to remove your can- lampstand, candlestick. Where's the grace in all that? And Jesus said, I'm warning you. And God wanted them to return back to that first love, to that place of unselfishness. Some of them, one of them, he said, you listen to false prophets. If you read uh, Mark Cirillo's latest prop, a word that came out, he said 90% of the pro- prophecies from November to February were all about prosperity and all this great breakthrough and all this stuff and everything that they prophesied reversed happen. We've got to know who we're listening to, guys. We better be careful who we are listening to. This is another quote. It says, this is, ta- this is why we need to be pure in our hearts so we can have the power. He says, evil convulses at the approach of a new vessel of God. Hell instantly puts chosen ones on a hit list. Think you've seen the mafia? Godfather? Hell puts you on a hit list. Are we concerned about that? No. No, the devil has no authority over me. We have authority over him. But if you don't know that, then you're going to be taken out. The child of God must be, the child of God must be blasted by divine certainty into a trajectory that will escape the pull of devils, the seduction of fame, withering criticism, and the dark night of the soul that comes to all who are called of God. You have to have so much divine certainty that you escape any pull the enemy has against you. That you have no longer a desire to be to be famous, to be seduced by fame and, and riches. That you don't care what people say. If you know your own line and doing what God has called you to do. We have to submit to a time of refining for the days ahead because God's power will only operate in vessels that are pure. It will only operate in vessels that are pure. We have to remove all the legal authority that we've given to the enemy. And that the only way the enemy can work in our life is through legal authority. So what does that look like? Well, how are we living? Do we? Let's just start with unforgiveness. Do we have unforgiveness and bitterness in our... Read uh, Hebrews twelve fifteen about what bitterness does. It defiles us. It, it, it puts demonic process into place in our life when we have unforgiveness and bitterness. What about anger? Don't give a foothold to the devils, what the Word tells us about unresolved anger. Well, you don't know what they did to me. Is it worth your eternal destiny? Is it worth the rest of your life, what they did to you? No, you just move on. God will make it up, won't he? God will make it up. What about living immorally? How many believers live immorally? Do you know 83% of abortions are single women? 83%? Now, what's that telling you about immorality? What causes abortions? What causes the need for abortions? Conception, right? What do you got to do to conceive? We get in the picture here. 83% are, are single women, according to a statistic I read. 
See, if we're not doing the unrighteous thing, we don't need to do the unrighteous thing to resolve the problem we got ourselves in. So we have to remove the devil's legal authority. Let me say one other thing. You can't be shacking up and then expecting God to bless your household because that's against the word of God, okay? Just make sure in case anybody misunderstands that, okay? You can't be sleeping around. You can't be going to X-rated movies. You can't be watching pornography because it pollutes the soul. You can't be having lustful thoughts because you've already committed adultery, Jesus said. You can't be cheating and thieving on your income taxes and expect God to bless you financially. You can't do that, right? John 14, 30, Jesus says, I won't speak to you much longer for the ruler of this dark world is coming. He has no power over me. He has nothing to use against me. Whatever we have in common, the devil can use against us. He's our adversary. Remember the story of Job. He's going before God. Have you considered your servant Job? Do you think God, the devil doesn't do that today? Have you considered Wayne? You know, Wayne's getting ready. To, Wayne and Bill's going to do a movement. I mean, they're going to make a change, and I believe it, and, and many others. But you think the devil's going to sit back and say, oh, let's just let them go. They're probably, no, he's going to go before him because, you know, you see Wayne, what he did? He, he, he got upset with Anita. I can't imagine that, but he might. Or he felt animosity in his heart. Or Bill was jealous of somebody, Audra. Bill's sitting on that jealousy. See, the, we don't want anything in us that the devil can hold against us and use against us. We have to remove all legal authority. Let me tell you one thing, too, guys and ladies, but it's, the Bible says, men, if you don't treat your wives right, your prayers don't get answered. If you don't treat your wife right, your prayers don't get answered. All your husbands better be shaking your heads, I'm treating my wife right. <laughs> Pastor, Pastor Joel told Terry one time, he said, I think the reason God blesses you so much is because of the way you treat your wife. And that was recognizable. Isn't that something? I thought that was sweet. He does treat me good, real good. Puts up with me really good. He's long-suffering. But see, we can give the devil nothing to use against us. Nothing to use against us. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, looking for something he can find against you. Lying, cheating, thieving, lustful thoughts, angry, yelling, screaming. Let me tell you something. I, we, we used to have a friend. Well, we still have, I guess he's still a friend. We just don't see him so much. But he had a horrible temper. And he'd just rail out at anything. His wife, and, and when they were playing ping pong, he'd throw the paddle and throw it against the wall. And he'd do crazy stuff like that. And you know what he said? He said, his wife told him, said, you need to calm down. He says, well, it just runs in my family. A temper runs in my family. And she says, it's the devil. You need to get rid of it. It's the devil. And that's exactly. Don't blame your genetics on your temper. Or the temper on your genetics, I should say. If you got, if you got a mouth that's running in gear when your head's not, you know, you need to develop some discipline, right? You need to ask God to bring some deliverance into your life. Because that's the enemy working in you, in your flesh. <laughs> that was free. I don't even know why I said that. <laughs> It's not even in my notes. So, but I'm talking about the way the devil can get in there and work in our lives. I'm telling you, I, I, I don't know if anybody's ever had an anger. I had, when I was a teenager, I, had an, I don't know why I was angry. I was not molested or abused. I don't know why I was angry. I was just angry all the time. I think because I had three brothers that tormented me. 
remember one time I went down my hall and I, I picked my cat up like that and kicked it. Now, you know how I love animals. That's probably why I'm probably doing penance today with all my animals. I didn't hurt it or anything. But I remember thinking, why am I so angry? I think I was like 15. I don't know why I was. See, sometimes I think, but you know what? There was anger in the genetics in my family. Now that I think, I just thought about that. That was a revelation. There was anger in my genetics. And there was a lot of anger going on in our house. So I guess I just picked it up and thought I deserved to be angry. It was a spirit. It was a spirit. So the devil's looking for a way that he can come in. And let me tell you, some of you in here, I don't know who this belongs to. Maybe it's one, I don't know who it is. But if somebody's done you wrong, let God make it right, okay? You can, God, you can never outgive God. God I mean, regardless of what somebody takes from you or hurts you, God is more than a, a willing and abundantly gives us more than we've ever lost. If we just give it to him, right? Yes, yeah, Second Thessalonians 2.10 says, The devil will use every kind of deception to fool those on their way to destruction. He will convince you that your way that you're going is right and in the best interest of yourself, your family, of this nation, whatever. Because they refuse to love and accept the truth that should save them, this is it. You know, Paul told Timothy, I think it's 1 Timothy 4, maybe I even have it in here, 1 Timothy 4, 13, he says, I want you to devour the word. Devour the word. And what's he saying here? The enemy's going to lead you to destruction because you refuse to love or devour the word. So when things come along, you don't have anything to judge it against, right? The devil uses trickery. He uses schemes, and this is very familiar. Uh, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, he says, Paul says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Let me tell you, we have an enemy. The enemy's at war with you because you call on the name of Jesus, because you're a believer. And then he says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Remember the video on Wednesday night. We talked about that. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. So if we think about a refining process, all right, let's just keep make sure your armor is on. That's the first place to start. And then after the battle, you'll be able to stand firm. He says, standing on your ground, put on the belt of truth. That's the word of God and the body armor of God's righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition, all these hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery darts of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Doesn't leave a whole lot of, of, of time to do much else, does it, when you think about it. But these evil forces want to rule your mind. The only way they can get into you is through deception. They want to rule your mind. They want to rule the way you think. They want to rule people groups. They've already been assigned nations. We've, we've known that for a long time, that principalities rule nations. They rule cities. So, but they don't want you to have a voice. They don't want you to have a voice. You know, we get in here on prayer nights, and we're in here calling down principalities over Concord. He would love for us to be able to say, well, you can't do that. You have to use sign language. He said, have you ever heard anything more foolish than that? In their wisdom, they become fools, right? There's nothing more foolish than that. 
Refining, listen to a quote from John Wesley. Refining gives us the strength to endure. Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you'll be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. I remember the prophetic word that Bob Hartley spoke over us in 08. He said, you're going to wear out some devils in this season. The other way around. You're going to wear out some devils in this season. And then it says, but if God be for you, who can be against you? All Are all of them together stronger than God? Be not weary of well-doing. Go in the name of God in the power of his might. He said that to Wilberforce, by the way. He said, so unless God has called you to do this, the devils and people are going to wear you out. We've got to keep ourselves strong. We've got to hear his voice. 2 Timothy 2.20 says, In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be used, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean. You'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. What is this saying? It's saying unless our hearts are right with God, unless we are pure, unless we're, we're people who are called according to his purposes, demons will wear us out. We will not be used by God. And in this house, there are vessels of honor and there's vessels of dishonor in this house. I'm sure. Maybe not here. I think I'm preaching to the crowd today. I mean, to the choir today, honestly looking at who's here but i mean in in any church there's going to be vessels of honor there's going to be vessels of dishonor there's going to be those who want to be pure there's going to be those who not so convinced they want to stay pure and they will not be used for the services the noble services that god has we have to be we have to be pure of heart joel 2 13 two final scriptures and this is what i'll say don't tear your clothing in your grief don't go through the motions, but tear your heart instead. Well, I'm going to read and I'm going to pray. Ask God. You can read and pray all day long, but what is, is it doing in your heart? God, is this, this word should be like a mirror, and we look at it and say, oh, yeah, I've got, I've got unforgiveness. I've got anger. I've got lust, whatever it might be. Holy Spirit will point us. See, Holy Spirit convicts us. He convicts us. He says, Don't, but rend your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. I believe that with all of my heart. So I advise you, Revelation 3.18, to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. You know what? Uh, uh, Maria Morella says that there's a Lazarus generation that's coming. A lab, you know what? The, who, you know who they are? They're the ones that are on the street today. They're the drug addicts. They're the ones that are bound up in all these addictions. He said, but there's a Lazarus generation. Unless the older generation is ready to help lift them up and disciple them, they're never going to walk in what God has intended for them to walk in. They're the guys that's going to be in our groups for substance abuse or addictions or porn addictions. Just waiting for somebody to help them pull them out of the way. That young man, that young man that I talked to, like he, I, I just saw God in him. I saw such power and such authority to turn and, and for the kingdom of God. He could be powerful in the kingdom. But you know what? He's still dealing with the hurt from the church not caring. Well, we love you, but we don't care enough to stop the abuse. Let's stand if we will.
He said, I advise you to buy gold from me. What does that look like? It's going to look different for every one of us. I'm not going to give you a formula on how to be refined. This group in here knows how to, what to do. You get before the Lord. You just say, God, show me my heart. Show me what needs to change. Open up your word for me. Spend time in God's presence. How many people have you heard during this quarantine? I've been binging on Netflix, binging on chocolate, binging on movies. We need to be binging on the Word of God. We need to be binging on the Word of God. We need to be binging on time in His presence. Turn off the tube. Start to the Bluetooth. I don't know if that's the first one. Turn it off. And just spend time in the presence of God. God, show me my heart. Show me my way. Thank you, God. Now, can we just be still a moment before the Lord? Let's see what He wants us to do. Thank you, God. Lord, we so desire to be refined. We're asking to buy that gold from you, Lord. And Lord, we know it comes up here dearly. You've already paid the price for it. It doesn't cost us a thing. But this is it. Willingness to give up. Humility. Letting go of pride. Letting go of apathy. Letting go of distractions, God. Show us, Lord, what we need to do. God, we want to be filled with power. We want our purity to be so high that we will be powerhouses for you. Show us, Lord, our ways. David even prays, show me my secret sins. Show me those things, God. Forgive me of my secret sins. Just show us our secret sins. Those that we've tucked away so long, Lord, we're not even aware they're still there. God, help us. We want to be what we need to be. We know you're calling forth an army. God, we want to be a part of that army. We are a part of that army. God, we want to be world changers. We want to be, be change agents in our cities, in our schools. God, we declare it is done in Jesus' name. God, create a passion in us for your word. Create a passion in us, Lord, to desire you more, to desire to pray, to seek your face. Thank you, Lord. to be a part of the solution and not the problem. We all do, don't we? We want to be a part of the solution. God, qualify us in, in your sight, Father, by the blood and by the Spirit of God purifying us. Remove from us, Father, anything that hinders. Show us, Lord, our still a moment. I'm going to ask you to come to the front. I don't feel the Lord. I just want you to be still in His presence. Just meditate on, on the goodness of God. Ask Him to reveal to you what needs to be changed or renewed and purified. God, show us our hearts.
will be thy true Lord Jesus who said, the devil has nothing he can use against us. Nothing he can use against us. God, I pray you reveal to all of our hearts, the ones that are here, the ones that are online, Lord, you know who they are. I pray for mercy, Lord, where you've spoken and spoken and spoken and then turned away. I pray for mercy, Father, for that person. I believe there, there is one or two or maybe more, I don't know, who have heard so many times and they've said no that their hearts have now become so hardened they don't even hear anymore, but they want to hear. Maybe they've turned away, Lord, because of the pain that we could not go on, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the injustice that we've done to them, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. God expect? He expects it all. What does he want? He wants everything. He demands everything. But what he will give us in return. So you weren't just created to come to church on Sunday morning. You were created to get out there and make a difference. You were, get it, you were created to destroy the works of the enemy in the lives of your family, your own self, your family, your friends, your neighborhood, your school, your job, wherever you may be. God, you're on assignment everywhere you go. take a lot of degrees, it just takes a pure heart and a willing one to say, God, here I am, send me. Pastor Jones.